This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. The Chattanooga Area Regional Transportation Authority, more commonly known as CARTA, is the public transportation system in Chattanooga, Tennessee, serving the city of Chattanooga, Hamilton County, and the surrounding areas. In this episode, we learn more about how CARTA operates and how they lead in transit technology. This episode is sponsored by Wiseman Music. Does your neighbor's dog howl when your piano is played? When your piano was last tuned, could you still ride the Chattanooga choo-choo? Then give Wiseman Music a call at 850-450-7867 to get that piano tuned and ready to play. Keep calm and play on in tune with Wiseman Music, 850-450-7867. I'd also like to thank my Patreon supporters, especially the Marks family and Stephen Culp. I'm Philip Puyese. I'm general manager of planning and grants at CARTA, the Chattanooga Area Regional Transportation Authority, our public transit agency. Awesome. So could you start by telling us a little bit how CARTA is structured? Who maintains and and leads CARTA? Uh, CARTA is technically an instrumentality, a quasi-governmental organization created by state charter. We are a regional transportation authority. The city of Chattanooga, uh, by definition, uh, the mayor of the city of Chattanooga provides for a minimum of 10 of our board members who actually manage the authority. Any other participating municipalities uh, also have a board seat at the table. Uh, But at the end of the day, the mayor of Chattanooga always has one more board seat than everyone else combined, uh, if that makes sense. Um, so for example, we have 11 board members, 10 designated by the city mayor and one designated by the Hamilton County mayor. In the past, other municipalities participated in the authority, but over time uh, withdrew for various reasons, primarily fiscal. Um, but we are working closely with City of East Ridge and City of Red Bank, even though they aren't formally members of the authority just yet. Okay, cool. So is that kind of in progress, bringing them onto the authority, or is that still up in the air? Uh, That'll be over time, and that'll be up to them how they wish to participate. Uh, Currently, we're just working with them on a contractual basis. Right. And what's the process like then to actually become a, a member, a municipal member of CARTA? Uh, essentially, they need to invest in the transportation authority. Uh, so that, that's the primary consideration. Uh, there, there has to be an ongoing financial commitment uh, to support our operations. Well, that leads me really well into my next question. How is CARTA funded? Uh, and that is a very important question. Um, CARTA is somewhat unique, and we actually generate 37% of our own revenue, and that is through... Our, our passenger fares, uh, the Incline Railway, which CARTA owns and operators operates, as well as the Chattanooga Parking Authority uh, is also part of CARTA. So enforcement revenues and meter revenue uh, flow into CARTA. And then we also own and operate three parking garages, uh, Shuttle Park North, Shuttle Park South, and Shuttle Park North Shore. 
The remainder of our funding comes from a mix of uh, local, state, and federal contributions. Uh, so about 22% of our budget uh, is supported by the city of Chattanooga, uh, with federal and state being close to 40%, and a very small portion contributed by Hamilton County. Got it. So I'm curious of that 37% uh, revenue number, how does that break down as far as fair parking and incline railroad? Uh, fares are currently about 8% of the total. <clears throat> uh, parking and garages uh, is about 19 to 20% and about 10% for the incline. And a small amount for advertising and other contributions. And is that all of the street parking or is it just certain lots? I know there's a couple garages. Uh, Carta owns and operates its own garages. And then we also operate um, several service lots and on-street downtown metering on behalf of the city. Okay. And those parking revenues primarily go to support uh, the electric shuttle operations. Okay, got it. Um, so, so what is the Carta service area then? We've got all these different things that we're drawing fares from and we've got contributions from the city and the county. What does all that go to serve? Uh, essentially, our, our primary service area is the city of Chattanooga. Um, we are offering paratransit service, which is service for those with disabilities or seniors uh, in Eastridge. And we just launched in the city of Red Bank on July 1st. However, the, there are portions of the city of Chattanooga uh, with fundamentally limited transit opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely hard. I mean, there are some kind of far-flung areas of the city that I imagine it's hard to have a, a stable bus route be supported. Um, what is the criteria then for, for overall success of the CARTA system? What criteria are you using to determine this route is a success and this route's not? Yeah, so that, that goes to the fundamental question of how should a public transit agency operate? Um, we could argue that every residential or you know every geographical point within the city of Chattanooga should have potential access to public transit, let's say within a quarter or a half mile. Um, or so that, that's sort of what's commonly called the coverage model. Mm -hmm. We could all allocate our resources generally uniformly to serve the entire geography, or we could uh, operate under what's more commonly referred to as a ridership model or a more business-oriented model where we have very useful frequent bus service, but only in a very small area. Uh, that would be very efficient for us. Um, fewer miles traveled, we could offer very frequent bus service, and that bus bus service would be more useful. Uh, however, there'd be large groups of people who would have zero public transportation. So where you draw that fine balance is a major point of discussion. Um, CARTA recently went through a redesign process and the board of directors essentially um, ended up on a policy of, we wanna keep what we have and maintain service areas that we currently serve. So don't disenfranchise any currently service customers while trying to allocate future resources 
bent slightly towards that ridership model by trying to add more frequent service rather than chasing coverage to new areas. So as, as, as demographics change, people move further out of the inner city core and property values in the inner city are rising, people are moving further and further away for lower cost housing. But it's very difficult for Carta to follow um, some of those people out into the outer suburbs and offer efficient service. It, it just becomes a very difficult uh, geometry and math problem is really what it comes down to. And who sets that policy then? Is that the board or is that uh, the executives or some combination of the, the, I guess that would be many, almost several dozen people. Yes, I mean, it's certainly influenced by staff operations, our data collection and research efforts uh, and our executive director, Lisa Marignano, uh, but ultimately it is presented to the board uh, for adoption. So they would make the final decision on, on large scale operational changes such as that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I'm curious, you know, there's an element of, uh, I guess, an equity conversation almost when it comes to transit. And, and you see in a lot of areas transit being conceived of as a almost a, a social program for those who can't afford a car rather than uh, a car replacement model where it's, you know, saying, hey, we have a large group of people who are in an area where they could be using transit instead of driving. So working together with the city to reduce wear and tear on public roads by providing transit to, to more dense areas. Um, can you provide any insight into how that question plays out in, these, in this idea of how we're choosing routes? Uh, equity is a fundamental uh, foundation for our decision-making. So any route change we make of, of substantive value goes through what's termed a Title VI process. So Title VI of Code of Federal Regulations providing for, we have to evaluate any change of impact in service that would have a disparate impact or disproportionate burden on low-income populations, minority populations, and so forth. So we evaluate that every step of the way. Um, to the larger question of how you frame and how we allocate our resources towards, I guess, the larger picture, or how do we, how do we change the conversation about public transit? Uh, because to be fair, public transit here in a southern mid-sized city is pri primarily used by those people um, who face challenges with using other modes of transportation, mm -hmm. either due to economics, um, owning and operating a vehicle, licensure, uh, disabilities, um, and so forth. So transitioning to a broader, more widely used public transit network, I think is critical to the success of the city. Um, again, it comes down to geometry. You can only sustainably uh, move so many automobiles of a certain form factor carrying an average of one to 1.2 people per trip, um, you're just gonna run out of room at some point. And mass transit has to be the, the backbone and framework of building a, a, an ecosystem of transportation that truly serves everyone and does it equitably. 
So, so those, those are the key issues, how we make that transition in advance of pressures. So while Chattanooga has congestion, we don't have New York City level congestion. And while we have what many people perceive as high parking rates, we don't have San Francisco or Chicago or even Nashville now parking rates. Uh, they're very low. So there's very little, little disincentive for people to transition from a private automobile to a public transit model. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other side of that is, is tran- public transit has to be competitive and we have to offer value for service and, and be a, an acceptable choice if we're going to compete in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are ridership numbers like on, I guess, maybe an annual basis? Um, we typically, including all our services, we're probably down to about 2 million passenger trips per year. Uh, combined. Uh, that's probably down from closer to 3 million um, before the pandemic uh, on an annualized basis. Um, as with many transit agencies, the COVID pandemic uh, substantially impacted ridership mm-hmm. uh, due to health concerns, people not going to the office to work. And it's been a slow transition uh, bringing those numbers back up. They are increasing, uh, but it's it's a it's a challenge. And I think not only CARTA, but all transit agencies are looking at what does the future look like if thousands of people aren't going to the downtown core to their office job anymore? What really are the public's needs in terms of public transportation? Mm-hmm. And what should that look like in the future? Mm-hmm. So I'll shift and talk a little bit about technology pushes that CARTA has been making. And I'll start with, uh, there's been a large push towards electric buses as opposed to the standard diesel buses. Can you tell us more about how that process has evolved and where it stands? Yes, so CARTA has been an innovator in electric vehicle technology. Uh, The electric shuttle program just uh, celebrated its 30th anniversary. So introduced in 1992 to serve as a downtown circulator. Uh, that's been continuously operated since then. Uh, at the time, that was uh, one of the largest electric shuttle fleets in the country. Um, in 2016, CARTA began acquisition of battery electric fixed route buses. So we introduced three BYD um, battery electric buses to our fleet. We have another four in-house that are going on the road shortly. And then we have another order of additional battery electric buses coming. So we envision a future where uh, we'll make a transition to fully electric or close to fully electric. There's still some debate about uh, how resilient you need to be and whether Mm -hmm. there's value in having uh, some diesel powered buses for emergencies and so on. Um, So we're definitely moving in that direction. Uh, We just received grant funding uh, to acquire battery electric vans so being able to bring that technology to our neighbor, our neighborhood and paratransit fleets. Uh, and we can begin testing those here very soon. Uh, CARTA also works with a company called Momentum Dynamics, who's a leader in wireless inductive technology. And so our, our battery electric uh, BYD buses are equipped with wireless chargers, where basically just like your wireless cell phone charger, uh, you don't have to plug it in. You just drive the bus over a pad in the pavement and it will receive energy 
uh, while out and about on the route. We don't necessarily have to come back to the depot uh, to charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carta is actively involved in that. Uh, we're currently managing uh, a Department of Energy grant project that's specifically looking at the role of electrification and its impact on the grid and how we can optimize our system um, to better meet the demands of the public. So a lot going on on the technology front. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you mentioned some some shuttle bus or some uh, van size. Correct. That you would be adding. Is that, so there's another program that I've heard rumblings about of, of an on-demand transit service almost, something kind of like Uber uh, run by Carta or in partnership with Carta. Can you tell us more about that program? And is that kind of in the same wavelength as these, these shuttles that you're trying to acquire? Or is that a different project? Um, different projects, but they all fit together. So Carta has been operating for, I guess, the past 20 years, a neighborhood dial-a-ride service. Mm-hmm. So basically service to take you from a fixed route into the neighborhood, specifically Brainerd, North Brainerd, and then a separate route in East Brainerd. So this August, we are looking at combining that entire territory. So essentially from Missionary Ridge and East Chattanooga, all the way across Monty Oaks to Enterprise South, and essentially following I-24 to Hamilton Place and East Brainerd, uh, down East Brainerd Road a little bit. Uh, that will be one entire demand responsive zone. And it will be powered by uh, a company called VIA, uh, using their app technology and algorithms to actually route those vehicles and provide the user interface. So essentially, much like Uber Pool, someone be, would be able to um, schedule the trip via their smartphone, or they could still call in, as they do now, uh, or board the bus at Hamilton Place or East Cape Town Center, as they do now, and then complete their trip anywhere within that zone. Interesting. So is that going to be uh, available to everybody or is this somewhere, something similar to the like caravan service where you have to sign up and, and be on a list? This will be open to the public. So just as our existing dial-a-ride, mm-hmm. um, anyone can, can use that service mm-hmm. in the public. So we'll be monitoring that closely for its efficiency. Uh, that type of operation is typically referred to as microtransit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has potential value, especially in low density areas such as Chattanooga. Uh, the ultimate question is, is whether or not we can do it efficiently enough uh, so that we can afford to do that type of operation and how well it interfaces uh, with our fixed route and how well it meets the needs of the public. Um, so we'll, we'll be monitoring this closely, but we're really excited about it. And when can that uh, be expected to launch? That is scheduled to launch uh, on our next schedule change, which is August. Uh, that's our schedule change is August 21st, uh, but the neighborhood routes would start on that Monday, August 22nd. Awesome. So that's soon. That's great. Yes. Uh, another program that I have heard a little bit about, and I never got the chance to use, but uh, in 2016, Carta launched a car sharing program where users could rent an electric car by the hour or by the day as kind of a car sharing, uh, a zip car kind of product, if anybody's familiar with, with that. What happened to that program, and, and are there any plans to try something like that again? Sure. So that program actually evolved from Bike Chattanooga. 
So the Bike Chattanooga Bicycle Transit System was launched by CARTA, through CARTA, as a federal transit administration program. Uh, and that system was basically designed to follow along the electric shuttle route or fixed route network uh, to provide basically neighborhood and urban connections mm -hmm. uh, and be able to have some continuity between the bus uh, and a bike trip. Uh, it's obviously, of course, used for recreational trips as well, which is fantastic. Uh, but the original intent was as an extension of public transit. Uh, the car share program was seen to fill that gap. So essentially at that time, we had Carter's fixed route service, our neighborhood service, uh, the electric shuttle program, and bike Chattanooga, but we didn't have anything to fill that middle gap. Like what if you needed to go to Costco <laughs> and outside our service area or carry more goods than what you can carry uh, comfortably on a bike or a bus? Um, so car share was seen as a way to fill that goal. Uh, so part, CARTA partnered with the Tennessee Valley Authority uh, who provided the funding for the project. Um, and so that project developed electric vehicle charging stations all across the city, which could also be used by the public uh, to charge electric vehicles, as well as solar power generation um, and through which that we sell that power back to EPB, which helps pay for the ongoing cost of the system. Um, so Green Commuter came in, they were solicited to operate the car share portion, and they were funded for three years, uh, and the program did very well. It was, it was well received by the people who used it. Uh, they really enjoyed using it. Uh, we had real strong concentration in the downtown area uh, and at Southern Adventist University. Um, unfortunately, the density of Chattanooga and the uptake of the project wasn't enough to make it self-sustaining financially. Uh, so without any external subsidy at that point, um, basically Green Commuter had fulfilled their obligations uh, and they went back to California. Um, so we still have the infrastructure and the entire car share market over the last few years has kind of gone through several ups and downs. Mm -hmm. uh, several um, um, manufacturers such as BMW and VW and GM were operating car share programs uh, about that time. Uh, and they all, all have retrenched from those operations. So companies still at like Zipcar are still available, uh, but they are primarily in much larger markets. Um, so we see an opportunity to bring back, especially electric vehicle car share. Um, any car share would be good, but electric vehicle car share uh, is important to us. Um, and we're just waiting for the right opportunities to come along to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So I want to move into a couple uh, listener questions. Patreon sponsors have an opportunity to submit questions. So I'll start. Um, monthly passes currently aren't easy to obtain. Physically traveling to a CARTA or partner location and re-upping in cash are hurdles that prevent a lot of folks I know from becoming and staying pass holders. Are there plans to update the payment structure to allow for recurring credit card payments, mobile phone passes, or other tech improvements? And then personally, I'll add to this question, um, the mayor has indicated an interest in making Carta or at least certain Carta routes fare free. So I, I want to add that into this conversation about how users pay their fares and not only ask how they're going to pay their fares, but if in the future they will be paying fares. Uh, Great questions, all. Um, we've been exploring those options. 
So passengers can reload their fare cards on the bus with cash though. Um, so there is no facility um, at that level for, for credit card payments or onboard fare payments. Uh, I would start, we are exploring with the VIA application of being able to link a credit card to your account and you would be able to pay for your, your neighborhood shuttle trip um, via credit card payment to your account. If we, ex we'll, we'll see how that goes to see if we extend that to our fixed routes. Uh, our Fairbox technology is kind of nearing its, its normal end of life. So we are exploring technological upgrades to our Fairbox system uh, and other applications such as that. Uh, I would add that a lot of these technologies uh, aren't inexpensive, especially when you apply them at fleet scale. Um, so you're looking at, you know, million dollar plus uh, development cost and ongoing subscription cost. Uh, with that said, uh, the mayor did campaign mentioning zero fare public transit. Uh, Carta did operate zero fare uh, from the onset of the pandemic until um, just last August when we reinstated fares. Um, so that was an interesting test. Um, zero fare or barrier free transit, I think is critical. Um, and whether we do that through zero fare application where people could just board the bus and we eliminate the cost and expense of maintaining a, a fare collection system uh, is one, one end of the spectrum. Uh, the other end of the spectrum is applying technology um, and doing so in a way where, um, for example, an account-based system would allow the city to fully subsidize anyone's public transit that they chose to do so mm -hmm. while still providing for payment from those who have the ability to pay. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this broad spectrum between those parameters. Um, several transit agencies are trying to go cash free, but every time you, you take a step beyond true zero fare, you create barriers for people who perhaps don't have the ability to adopt a certain technology. Right. So CARTA has a commitment that every time we take a step forward, such as that, we have to be extremely cognizant of the needs and abilities of everyone. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to bring everyone along to benefit um, in the new environment without leaving anyone behind. So for example, like with the VIA uh, demand responsive application, being able to call in your trip for those people who don't have a smartphone or just board the vehicle at the key transit stops at Hamilton Place, for example. Those were critical elements, which even though while they aren't necessarily efficient for us, we have an obligation to provide that type of service. Mm -hmm. And this, this brings up another question in my mind um, about the relationship, I suppose, between cost and frequency and ridership. Uh, how does that play out here in the Chattanooga market? I know different markets have, have done different studies to see which is more important. Uh, but in my brief, brief research, I'll, I'll caveat this pretty heavily. <laughs> in my brief research, it seems that uh, fare free transit is not as significant a factor as uh, high frequency in terms of, of 
building ridership. And, and in my own personal experience, uh, I'm lucky enough to live on the new electric shuttle route that comes to San Elmo, but I, I don't use it very often because it only comes every, every hour. So it makes it difficult for me to get to work on it because it's not necessarily, if I miss it, I'm gone for the next hour. Yes. Um, so could you speak to that? Yes, um, I agree with your analysis. Uh, I was a champion of zero fare for quite some time, um, essentially because I see that we need to remove barriers to using transit mm -hmm. and, and trying to identify what a fare is and having exact change, those are barriers. So being able to just board, people love the electric shuttle to the extent that it comes, but it comes very frequently downtown right. and that's why people use it. So frequency is a key transitioning non-transit users to transit, going to zero fare is not going to make anyone take the bus, mm -hmm. um, perhaps. Some people would upgrade walking trips to take the bus or very marginalized people with extremely low incomes might take a bus trip, but the general population as a whole isn't going to suddenly transit transition to low frequency suboptimal public transit, free or not. Uh, so you're right, that that's not the ultimate equation. I think I was more of a champion for zero free transit as a starting point just to create a virtuous, virtuous cycle of ridership, increase, even short-term increased ridership by having zero fare, that helps drive the argument that we have greater demand, therefore we need greater investment to offer more frequent service, which will create greater demand. Uh, we have to start that cycle. Uh, CARTA has had very, relatively speaking, flat funding for many years. And so on a per capita investment basis, uh, we're generally towards the very low end of the scale if you look at other markets around the country. And without that investment, it's very difficult for us to offer additional frequency if we're not willing to abandon coverage area, it's hard for us to increase frequency in order to generate that demand. Um, so we're, we're between the proverbial rock and hard place on, on how, do we, how do we make this better? And that's where this intervention of demand responsive transit, I think is going to give us an opportunity to test some of those things. Mm -hmm. So if the public really uh, likes microtransit as a solution, then at least that starts the conversation of how we can fill in the gaps um, in areas that don't have service uh, to some extent, and even more importantly, fill the gaps on the areas that do have service. So one of the research projects we're working on right now is looking at using any available slack in our paratransit operations to fill the gap in our fixed route. So for example, if you did just miss your bus in St. Elmo, you might be able to uh, call in or using an app technology, say, I just missed my bus. I need to be here at this time. Can you help me? And we would deviate a small van to come pick you up mm -hmm. and take you to your destination or connect you, you know, to the bus um, to meet your objectives. So a lot of those things are happening behind the scenes and really trying to reframe um, how best we allocate our resources. And I've got a second listener question here. 
Does Carta have any plans to run a route from the airport to downtown or have you studied this and it just wouldn't have the necessary ridership? Uh, we have had service to the airport um, for quite some time. Uh, the route that previously served the air airport, unfortunately, was very circuitous and kind of wandered around Missionary Ridge and Chaliford um, and had very low ridership. So we eliminated that particular route and we now service the airport with the route number five neighborhood shuttle. So the airport is and will continue to be serviced uh, by that route. So for example, you'd be able to go have demand responsive service from the airport anywhere in Brainerd, North Brainerd, all the way to Enterprise South, Hamilton Place, um, and that area. In order to get downtown, you would need to connect with the number four route which is the Eastgate Hamilton Place route. So for example, you'd make the short trip from the airport to Eastgate, and then you'd have um, 15 to 20 minute service uh, on the number four route to downtown. So, it, so it's definitely acceptable. I know in some markets there's dedicated airport buses that go from the airport uh, directly to a downtown terminal. Um, that does raise a point that Carta does not have a downtown terminal. And that has been an issue that we've been trying to resolve for quite some time, uh, that in order to improve our route network without substantial additional investment, we need to be able to optimize the transfers between our routes. And having all of our buses, basically if all of our bus routes arrive downtown at the same time, uh, we'd be clogging up Market Street uh, at five o'clock in the afternoon and that might not be a good thing. Uh, we do clog it up um, somewhat at 7 p.m. at night and 9 p.m. at night when all of the bus routes converge to go back out to the neighborhoods. But having a central transfer point and a, a multimodal type transfer point where people then could easily access uh, not only their bus route, but neighborhood shuttles, uh, Bike Chattanooga, potential car share, and as well as an information point any point of sale opportunity for things such as fare cards and, and you know, application information uh, on our service. Um, so we've been working very hard with a variety of partners on to, uh, trying to identify the best way uh, to move forward with that type of facility. Awesome, well, I've got one last question. This is kind of off the cuff. Um, I'm just curious, something I have heard of, and this is in much uh, higher density markets, so maybe it doesn't apply, but uh, has, has Carta explored any more creative funding sources, something along the lines of like a transit TIF, where a new route is installed with, uh, you know, improved service and frequency, and then any value generated any any land value generated by that new frequency is then shoveled back into carta to kind of offset those costs and maybe even promote the same program in another part of town um, is that something you all have explored or is that kind of too big for this market it, it's on our radar um, those types of projects are typically oriented around either a rail project uh, a transit oriented development type rail project where it's very fixed and developers and other investors know it's not going away right. anytime soon, uh, or even a bus rapid transit project, which mm -hmm. is potentially on our radar for the future. 
Uh, I think in the near term, we were really looking at that type of development uh, associated with a transit facility uh, to look at urban, you know, multifamily dwelling type housing associated with a transit facility, as well as other joint development projects um, with that type of enterprise. And then there's a variety of funding sources that can be associated with that, um, even beyond just, just a TIF type arrangement. Um, so yes, we, we, we definitely wanna be a good partner. Uh, we've been in touch uh, with developers. Um, the band, for example, is, is a high value proposition that's going to bring a lot of density in terms of employees, uh, housing, uh, the development of the West Side, uh, the, the re-envisionment of uh, West Side public housing with the housing authority and the West Side Evolves project, uh, as well as other neighborhood initiatives. Uh, I think CART is always at the table uh, to look at opportunities to partner with the private sector. And we welcome support from uh, developers and employers, especially, who are struggling to get employees uh, to fill their, their uh, labor needs and how public transit can play a role in that. Um, so we're, we're definitely open for a variety of concepts. And I think Carter's demonstration of the electric shuttle project, for example, 30 years ago was very innovative at the time. Um, I think we're trying to, to represent the quality of, of innovation that was done at that period for for CARTA 2.0 as we move to the future. Um, I think that's a high hurdle for us, but I think a lot of people are, are, are up for the challenge and we welcome the public's input and opportunities such as this uh, to discuss public transportation. And, and as people think about climate change and economic success, public transit is, is just a, a foundational backbone of, of all of these elements. Um, I'll get on my soapbox for one second. For, I mean, electrification, for example, is great, but electric cars aren't going to solve your problem. Uh, they're still going to take up space. You still have to provide parking. We, we need a mix of solutions. Um, you know, people who live in outer suburbs, uh, they're going to be driving into Chattanooga for the foreseeable future, uh, of course. But for people in our inner city, inner core area, we need to provide them the freedom of choice to not have to own and operate a car or a second car if they don't choose to, and have the freedom to be able to uh, travel and access employment, medical services, and education in the way that they choose to do so. So I think that, that's our framework and definitely where we're coming from. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been uh, really eye-opening. and. Thank you for, for all your work giving transit to Chattanooga. Great. Thank you, Nathan. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ChatCivics or visit the website ChattanoogaCivics.com. Thanks for listening.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.